Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Alright, alright, alright. Happy Friday. Megan, happy mm. Friday. Happy first recap of 2022. Fish, how are you doing here today? I'm doing great. That sounds really good to hear. I'm Isn't so glad it? Fish is back. Yeah, yesterday I had this like smile on my face all day. I was like, it's Trey Day. So I was <laughs> Trey kind of looked like he was feeling like it was Trey Day yesterday. We're going to get into that. Like he <laughs> Absolutely. Was, he was like, he was vibing yesterday. It was so, so awesome to see. Um, yeah, he looked so happy. He did. The band looked happy. Everybody looked happy. Um, well, I mean, we are just diving into it right now. It's uh, This is Pod <laughs> on tour. Brian and Megan with you here today talking through Fish's performance from... Uh, 
what is it, the Moon Palace here in Cancun, Mexico on February 24th, 2022, the opening night of the Mexico 2022 run. It's really crazy. I keep thinking to myself, like I, I go back two years from now. Um, we have this Mexico 2020 run. It's the first four-night Mexico run. It's the first run with the opening set with the early matinee type of uh, evening, or early evening, if you will, Sunday night set. All these things are changing, but we're looking ahead to Fish 2020. We've got great tour dates on the horizon, all this sort of stuff. And little do we know that in two weeks, the entire world is going to change and we will not have live music. We will not have Fish, so on and so forth for the remainder of 2020. And now here we are, we're back and it just feels like we're just continuing. We had all these great fish shows in 2021, and this is now picking up the sounds of uh, of, of of last year's fish. It was it was a ton of fun to get back to it, and um, it, it felt normal in the right way. Yeah, I agree. It felt like this is what a fish year is supposed to start out feeling like, right? We had yeah. like a killer fall tour. Sadly, we didn't have a New Year's run, but I think that kind of inability to play really fueled them to be super excited about this run. So I think they came out feeling pretty good and sounding really great. Agree. Agree. And we're going to dive into what we thought about this show overall. Before we do that really quickly, I just want to let everyone who's listening out there know. So number one, we will be hanging out here at 1 PM Eastern on this feed for the next three days, talking through fish, Mexico, 2022, um, Meg has even taken time out of her vacation to do this. She's about to, leave, <laughs> to go to upstate New York. She's even going to be hanging out on vacation, talking fish. What a dedicated co-host you are. Uh, Jonathan will be joining us this weekend and we'll have some very special guests on Sunday and Monday as well to dive into these shows. But um, for anyone listening out there, please, please share your thoughts in the comments. We want to hear what you guys think uh, or uh, thought about last night's show. Any predictions, wild, crazy predictions bigger bust outs, bigger special guests, whatever you want it to be. There's got to be some other musician just hanging out in Cancun right now. who's like, yeah, <laughs> um, but I do want to let you guys know as well that uh, we just launched yesterday uh, HF pod premium, which is on the Osiris media uh, um, uh, feed on Apple podcasts. So just subscribe to Osiris media on Apple podcasts. You get all Osiris media content ad free and you get a bonus HF pod segment that will come out on like a weekly, bi-weekly, semi-regular, irregular basis. But we're going to bring you a lot more content. Um, we had a ton of fun recording our first segment. Meg, do you want to tell listeners what we talked about in our first bonus segment? Sure. We talked about what fish is going to sound like in 2022. And it was really cool to record that on Wednesday and then watch the show last night. It was really fun to kind of see how our predictions fared against the reality of fish in 2022. And I'm really curious as to what people think about it. So if you're not a premium member, sign up. It's an awesome way to support independent podcasts and to get this content ad-free. Absolutely. And to that point, you know, I'm not a betting man. I just, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten screwed over betting many times. And I just have decided it's just not where <laughs> I'm at. Uh, I love sports and I, I try to predict what's going to happen in baseball and basketball every year. And usually by like day one, I'm like, man, you were completely off. That team is going to be <laughs> horrible this year. Or that team's going to be way better than you expected. Um, it felt really nice to have us make our predictions and then watch this show last night and be like, hmm, were we onto hmm. something? 
Uh, I think mm-hmm. you may have been onto something a little bit more than me, but I think there, there were hints of what I was going for uh, in certain places, which we'll get into. Um, but I, I was really excited to hear that and be like, hey, maybe we're hearing this correctly. Um, yeah, and give it time, do- Brian. You're, you're, you know, what you like about fish and want to hear more of, it's going to come. It just takes time to warm up to that, I think. It takes time to get to the darkness, mm-hmm. you know. You got to see the light first. Yep. <laughs> um, but before we get into the show, though, we want to tell you really quickly, as we do every week, um, our sponsor, Sunset Lake CBD. Uh, Sunset Lake CBD has a line of smokable hemp products, which are for the old deadhead, the young fish fan, or even your cousin, who's the Dave Matthews fan that got you into fish originally through Dave Live at Red Rocks. More relevancy on that a little bit later. I like how you did that. Um, I like how you did that. A little nice little uh, segue in there. Um, Anyone in your life who's searching for a mellow body high, smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoid and anxious side effects. There's nine different strains from this year's harvest. There's something for everyone. Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show like at Mexico or like maybe Deer Creek or Alpine Valley this summer. Who's to say? And cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. Like when couch tour ends, you've got a few dishes to do, but you just kind of need a little bit to kind of mellow you out as that's happening. All the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping directly from their farm to your door. And I just want to share really quickly... I love smoking grass. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, it's it's. I, I stopped drinking about a year and a half ago, and smoking grass has been a great way to just like give me a little bit of a buzz. But I've been looking for something lighter, and CBD offers me exactly what I need. I can still be there in the moment, but I'm also feeling a little bit uh, loose, a little bit uh, relaxed. It's a it's a fantastic thing. So please check out sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Again, that's Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. And with that, Meg, give me your 10,000-foot view of what Mexico night one felt like. I mean, the vibe seemed super right. I think that just watching everybody waiting for the show to start, the beach looked packed. Everybody looked super happy. And I love when they show the crowd like before the show starts. It's just such a fun, that's like the best part of a show for me, like the anticipation before they come on. You're just like, you've got that like, I don't know, kind of butterflies in your stomach feeling. And and imagine, you've I've never been to Mexico to see fish. So You've flown all this way. Everybody's there for the same thing. I mean, that's got to be some awesome anticipation. I love flying to a venue. It just makes me feel so extra excited about it. So I think the vibe seems super right. And I think they came out and just were ready to have a really great time. I think they were really well rehearsed. I think they sounded like they'd all been practicing a lot. And I think they played really well. Fun bust outs, an awesome encore. I think it was a really great show. We had some moments of like some really great jamming too, which I'm excited to dig into. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I, I was thinking about it as like, I was watching just the crowd on stage. Um, when you go to like a tropical place in the middle of winter, it's such a weird <laughs> moment of realizing that like, it just doesn't get winter everywhere in the world. And some places are <laughs> really, really pleasant yeah. and amazing like throughout the year. It doesn't uh, have to be like this. 
it doesn't. I I traveled through Southeast Asia in the late winter, early spring of 2014. And I remember just like at some point I had to just like stop talking to people from back home until like late April, early May when the weather got nice enough for them. <laughs> they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, it's an amazing day today. And like you're watching people in Mexico like coming from, you know, snowbound like cities in across america it's like three degrees right now in denver slowly raising we should be at 15 by the end of the day but it's been this like crazy cold snap and to see people in mexico and be like oh yeah there's just like really pleasant places to go and hang out in this world so um i i felt like immediately we were back in this it's now become slightly normal this is their Mm -hmm. fifth run in mexico it's like something that doesn't feel weird anymore it feels a part of the touring schedule in some cases and i thought I really like this one set approach to open the run. Mm -hmm. I think it does a nice job. I've got to imagine on the ground, it does a nice job of like ushering you in. It feels long enough like a fish show, but at the same time, it, I don't know, missing that set break. There's, there's something about it that feels more casual. And Mm -hmm. I like how it offers the band an opportunity to kind of mix in some jamming, maybe a little bust out here and there but kind of just like play themselves into this, uh, this event. And I've got to imagine for them, it just adds to the appeal of no pressure of like, you have to go from night one type of thing. So I really enjoy it. I think it fits the vibe. Um, should we jump into the show and kind of start going through these songs here? Yeah, let's do it. So the band comes out and I didn't put a lot of thought into what they were going to open with. I don't know. Did you feel like a strong premonition of, of this is what I think that they're going to open with? No, my parents came, they are watching my kids this weekend when I go away and they were sitting next to me on the couch and my dad's like, okay, so what is it? What are they going to play? And I'm like, dad, I never play this game because I'll always lose, but I really didn't expect it to be lizards. So I would have really lost. <laughs> Well, if you predicted Lizards, it would have been kind of crazy because this was only the second Lizards opener ever. The first Lizards opener since January 29th, 1990. That's crazy. That's a statement. That's a statement. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. one of their... Lizards are in like one of those categories of like, if you, you know, if Fish, whenever Fish is over as a band and you're like, okay, what are the 20 songs I need to hear to know who fish is? Lizards has to go into that category. Mm -hmm. It sets up this large story that they've been telling. It, it showcases all these, uh, musical ideas and like musical tendencies that they tend to follow. And, you know, it's, it's one of those songs that I kind of wish would open more shows because it just kind of gives you a sensation of, ah, it's fish. We're back. Yeah, absolutely. And it really set the tone. I mean, I think Trey sounded amazing. It was played so well. I don't think he missed a note. I mean, it was really well played. So clearly they came out ready to to make their mark on the night, which I think was awesome. Yeah, it's definitely also a song. It's not like, uh, you know, like Sample or... um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of just like classic rock songs that they could play that like would just be like a rock and roll song to get the set going. Like this is actually like a song they have to really think about because there's multiple sections and that, Mm -hmm. that really set the table of, of how they're going to approach this evening. And I agree. Trey sounded great. Um, Did you think at any second that they were going to go into game hinge? No, not even for a second. I have put that idea to bed. Did you? That's a good, 
there was like a small thought that was like, well, I wonder if they would do it here. You know, it's an exclusive event. They've got yeah. all these people who love them down there. Uh, we're all webcasting. I know that there would have been, people would have been up in arms. I, I would have been okay with it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of just at the point now of like, they should just do it at some point. Like there's, it's, it's not, it's not this like, you know, Game Henger is a fun story that like, you know, s- someone, some group of people should be rewarded for. But um, they moved into instead the MoMA dance, which uh, feels like the greatest two hole fish song ever. It's just like, well, all right, we've said our <laughs> statement. We've gotten going. Here's the song that is going to like get us into the groove. And this one was not as explosive as some of the versions that we heard during the fall following that uh, JFAT tour where MoMA dance this features is one of the big jam vehicles, but it did get us into the pocket. It was a great, like, you know, I, MoMA is one of those songs that early on, sometimes it feels like a standard placement at this spot, but I'm really never going to complain because it just kind of gets everyone down. And I've got to imagine like on stage, the band just feels this sense of loosening up, getting in a groove and they feel really good afterwards. What, what were your thoughts on this performance? Yeah, I thought it was a great performance. I thought it was nice. I mean, I think this song always makes me so happy. I feel like the band plays it so well. I always love where they go with it, whether they take it out far or they don't. I feel like it's always just such a great groove. I think it sounded awesome last night. I also think it's a perfect beach song. I mean, is there a song that you'd want to <laughs> dance to more in a bathing suit? Like, I mean, oh my God, like this song is so sexy. I love it. So I thought it was great. And I really thought it was nice coming out out of lizards. I think that's like a perfect kind of like, okay, now, yeah, like you were saying, lizards is like, it's such a unique song. It doesn't sound like, like you're going to start a party, you know, it's, it's a different vibe. So I think MoMA is kind of like, all right, we're like easing into this party tonight, which I think is cool. I've become a fan of when artists open a show with like a slower song. Um, I just saw the mm-hmm. war on drugs last week and they open, they're opening pretty much every show of this tour with um, the song called old skin off the new record. That's like a very, very slow build until it gets to this drum, like just explosion, like halfway through the song. And there's something to be said about a slow build into a show versus a big power chord. We're in it. We're rocking. Mm-hmm. And I love how lizards MoMA kind of gives you this dichotomy of what you were saying. Like we're on the beach. We just kind of want to like sit back, stroll on in, and then we're ready to rock. And once you're ready to rock, yeah. MoMA's there. Yeah. I feel like I saw the show in Charlotte in 2019 and they opened with have mercy and it was like, Oh the best yeah. Vibe. You know, it was just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We're just going to like ease into this night and it felt so casual it was like you were at a party and not a concert and it just it was awesome like I think anytime they start a show like that I think it also shows like a confidence and a casualness that is totally usually means good music is coming yeah it reminds me of I saw Hartford 2010 the the two night run there and the second night they opened with fee and it was a very similar Mm. vibe where like you're, you're so amped. They walk on stage and then they kind of just chill you out. And, and lizards have that effect. Have mercy at Charlotte 2019. Yeah. These like moments where I think about like the gorge 98 show that people love that opens with Macca super policeman. Like mm-hmm. if they just like take it a little bit slower. It almost, 
continues that tension and release that they love to apply across jams, across songs mm-hmm. in a really, really cool way. Um, people out there listening, if there's any examples you have of great shows where they um, open with a slower song, we'd love to hear hear your thoughts as well as just general thoughts about last night's show uh, at Moon Palace. Um, but moving on from MoMA, we get that fade into a bust out. First bust yes. out of 2022, Peaches and Regalia. First time in five years. I didn't realize oh. that this hadn't been played since July 22nd, 2017. The second night of the Baker's Dozen, Strawberry Night. Wow. Um, 138 shows again. How I didn't insane realize is it had that? been that long either. Shows. That's crazy. I love this song. They played this at my first show ever. I just, this song is so awesome. And I didn't realize it had been that long either. I mean, I knew they hadn't played it in a little while, but yeah. I mean, the Baker's Dozen seems like 10 years ago. <laughs> 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 I feel like Everything so much has through. happened since then. Yeah. yeah. But oh my God. Yeah. What an awesome version. So fun too. Like that kind of felt like now they're ready to rock. It's cool. Now they're ready to rock. And you know, this song, I think I've only seen this song once. But this was on my second tape. My second tape was mm-hmm. nine fourteen ninety nine, and they open with it. And at the time, I I don't know anything about fish, so you know, peaches doesn't really. I, I'm thinking it's a fish song, and I remember just loving the guitar solo of it, and it mm-hmm. does such a good job of setting up that great uh, Ace DC bag from Boise. But you know, later I would find out, oh, it's a Zappa song, huge, huge influence on Fish. Oh, it happens to be a huge bust out as well. This is the first time they played it in like five years. I just kept looking at Trey during this, like he was beaming during the Peach yeah. solo. It was like he nailed it and he knew it. His guitar was sounding just right. There was no like weird glitches or sounds. Um, it just sounded full. It sounded fat. It sounded just like mm-hmm. candy in a lot of cases. And, uh, Man, it, it 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 just made me happy watching it. You know, whenever you hear mm-hmm. like a bust out like this, plus they nail it, it's just a great moment three three songs into the set. Yeah, and I want to say I'm really glad that I webcast last night. I was kind of on the fence, like, am I just going to listen or webcast? Watching them play last night was really, really fun. They just seemed so engaged and it's so interesting because when I go to shows, I never really watch the stage because I'm just dancing and I'm short, so I can never see anything. So whenever I webcast, it's really fun for me to just really look at them and watch them interact. And I felt like last night, it was really cool to see them just like so into it. It was awesome. Yeah. I really got to wonder, you know, we're six months past, um, Seven months, I guess. Seven seven months past the start of the 2021 summer tour. And, you know, they've played a lot of shows in between July 28th, 2021 and, and today, even though they had the frustration of losing the MSG run or moving the MSG run to April mm-hmm. and kind of having to reschedule on that sort of standpoint. I felt watching them a lot of relaxation and a lot of like, we we had a great tour last year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of crazy shit happening right now outside of our control and outs and, and and the whole world. And in this moment, we have this like just pure joy of being able to be on stage as friends. And how lucky are we that we are like at this level musically where we can play 
a guaranteed Fortnite run in Mexico whenever we want to. Like they're just mm-hmm. there feels like the the sense of like tension, frustration, but also gratitude that I kept getting from 2021 shows seemed last night to be replaced by just like pure joy to be doing what they're doing. Yeah, I feel like it's like anytime we get a chance to do this now, it just feels so precious in a way it never did before. So I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. So I agree. They just seemed like, you know, at one point Trey was like, it's so great to be here. And like, you can tell he really meant it, yeah. you know? Yeah, I agree. Let's talk really quickly before we jump into the next segment of songs. Um, the look of the band last night. Um, oh, can you describe... To. Pick either Trey or Fishman really stuck out to me, but pick pick either one of them and, and describe their look from your perspective. Fishman was tripping me out. I mean, he just it's <laughs> like if you if you took his head off of like a man wearing a dress playing drums, you could put that head in like a yearbook or I don't know, like some other like kind of academic place, like and it would look normal, but like on top of this man with like octopus arms, you know, which is what I always think of John Fishman. Like he seems to like never move his body, but his arms are just like, it looks like he has eight of them and they're just like moving independently of his body and wearing this like purple and green dress. And, but then you look at his face and he's got this like crazy beard and like this wild humidity hair that was just like going everywhere. Like there's no product in that. Like there's no, He's not doing the Mike Gordon prep. Like he's like fully just, you know, coming from the beach. And I thought it was awesome. He he looked to me like a college professor from like a Northeastern college, like small (laughs) liberal arts school, teaches like 19th century American English, but also like (laughs) plays in a bar band. And you're like, you know. 20 years old getting in like five bucks cover and like there's like a classic rock bar band playing in the back room and you're like oh my god this is a movie this is like a screenplay professor johnson right there like what is going (laughs) you guys seeing this and like you find out that he like you know he tokes a little bit on the side and like (laughs) he's like the teacher that like your parents are afraid of because he's gonna like actually (laughs) teach you to read like revolutionary style literature and like really open your mind um like a dead poet society thing a hundred percent that's exactly <laughs> what i'm going um trey on the other hand looked like we were talking about this beforehand he looked to me like steve zahn from uh the white lotus just like <laughs> dad on vacation in the caribbean drinking mai tais at like two o'clock in the afternoon i mean obviously he's not doing that but like he's he not. had that look of just like dad on vacation just like letting it go carefree not a care in the world gets to do his favorite thing with his favorite people just like blowing his hair yeah go scuba diving like go do like i i'm i'm not i am here to hang out like i don't i don't need to be dad this weekend no i'm gonna start up some conversations with people at the bar i'm gonna be cool (laughs) i'm gonna mingle we're just gonna see we're gonna make some friends and uh then we're gonna go back home to our lives um it was a very good looking fish show in a way that I, I really appreciated. Um, moving on musically though, I never needed you like this before. Mm. This to me, like it had some serious power. Yeah. What did you think of this? Yeah. This one kind of surprised me. You know, I don't know. Whenever I hear this song, I just think of when 
Trey played it on The Late Show and just how it was that first time anybody had seen live music and like, you know, not really live, but like it was just such a big moment. And I remember watching that and just being like, oh my God, like what's happening in this world? And every time I hear that song, I feel like that. And I also feel like it just like encapsulates so much of how we feel when we're back together. And, you know, they opened summer tour with this. I mean, this song is just so powerful. And by the end of it, they were just like rocking like really intensely rocking. It was awesome. Yeah. I too thought of that performance from the late show and it, it got me thinking back to just like how crazy, you know, that was 18 months ago, basically that like it took six months to just get like a live performance on TV. So wild. But um, yeah, the power two years of cancellations, postponements all seem to just like come to a head in this uh, really, really great take. And, that song just keeps finding itself in really cool places in their set list. And I'm really excited to see where that, where that goes. Um, we then moved into funky bitch, a song that um, I tend to use. I want to be clear. Uh, I want to be honest. I, I tend to use this as a bathroom break song. It shows it's seven minutes. I know. I know. What? I'm sorry. I'll, let me explain what? myself. It's seven okay, minutes. It, it never changes. I know the second it starts, like people are going to be getting down. I can run to the bathroom. I can be back by the time the jam starts. Um, it is. I don't really love the blues and I definitely don't really love fish mm. blues. We talked about this on Wednesday with regards to songs like my soul. That said, Paige crushed this. Like he had mm -hmm. a really cool organ solo and I don't know. I, I'd love to hear from any listeners out there. Like this was like the most buoyant version. I feel like I've ever heard it. It was filled with dynamics. There were moments where it got really quiet and they got really loud again. There were moments where I was like, are they actually going to jam this song out? I was just, I was blown away listening to this. I thought it was an excellent version of funky bitch that I was not expecting and didn't expect at this spot. Yeah. My notes, I just wrote hot damn. Like I thought it was, it was it was a ripper. I mean, I love this song. I like to dance to this song. I think this song is just like super soulful and and I just feel like it's just really fun. I love this song. Um I also just have some versions that I love of this song. But this one felt great. I felt like it did have a little bit of new life breathed into it. And I thought it was a great version and it was an interesting placement like after I never needed you like this before and then before Tweezer that that was like interesting to me. I couldn't really tell how I felt about it, but it's so different to think about song placement when you're thinking about a one set show. I always am interested to think how Trey like thinks about this because it's so much different. I think that might have been the only moment that I was a little bit like, oh, this is an interesting spot. I feel like the rest of the set was just perfect um, as far as set song placement at least. I agree. When they started this, I was kind of like, okay, we're just kind of getting a, like the show's been fun so far. We've mm -hmm. gotten some cool songs, but we're going to get just kind of like a show because it's their first yeah. show in four months. And it's kind of this opening night thing. And yeah, the setless pacing, because at this point you're basically just approaching the second quarter of the show. Like you're, you're approaching that halfway point mm -hmm. of the first set where like we need to probably start thinking about like three or four songs before we go to set break. But mm -hmm. instead here you have that extended uh, uh, first set. So, so it's interesting like what they do after this um, they go into tweezer. And at this point, 
I'll take tweezer anywhere. And I think mm-hmm. an early first Same. set tweezer sometimes while it doesn't jam as well as a second set tweezer, it tends to kind of launch that set, that first set into a place that it wouldn't have gone otherwise because of the placement. I was a little, I don't want to say concerned, but I was a little like, Oh, this is an interesting slot here. Are we actually going to see a tweezer do something? Or are we just playing it here for placement to kind of like amp the energy? And the band went with the former. It was an incredible 22 minute jam. I think it's mm. safe to say the first great jam of 2022. Um, it'll be <laughs> interesting to see where it lands, you know, after the end of this weekend, after the Mexico runs. But if there was anything to take away from 2021, it was that they were not going to work themselves into jamming. They were going mm-hmm. to jam right out the gates and see what happened with like the Karini. Uh, with the chalk dust torture with the tweezer from that first weekend of summer tour what were your thoughts on this kind of this was this was an all over the place tweezer that really like Mm -hmm. settled in your zone of music and i want to hear your thoughts on this on this jam i loved it it was right out of the gate like the minute the lyrical section of the song stops it's into gorgeous music it's crazy i was re-listening to it today and it's like they didn't spend any time finding like a beautiful pocket. It was just, they fell right into it. I felt it was so jammy and like layered and it was really pretty like right away, which I think is sometimes not the case with tweezers. And there was just so many cool like synth effects and Trey was playing like just gorgeously over it. And it was cool. I could hear them like listening to each other. There was this point when Paige was playing the piano, just like First of all, Paige's piano sounded so good last night, just in so many moments. But he was just playing these notes, like this little like phrase over and over again. And Trey was interpreting it and they were just going back and forth. And it was just magical to watch. And then to hear like Fishman come in with the effects at like just the perfect moment. And then like, it was just, it was awesome. I thought this was gorgeous. I didn't expect it. It kind of took me by surprise. I was just sitting on my couch expecting, you know, like, okay, this might be a good one. It was really good. Really good. Yeah, I agree with all that. I I went back and I I listened to this this morning. Um, I threw it on for a Peloton ride and uh, Mm. it was, it was, three quarters of, of, of my ride. I did like a 30 minute, just like zone zone ride where I was just like going. And this tweezer was right there with me. And it, it gives you like two to three segments. As I recall it, you get this like very beautiful segment right out the gates. Like you're talking Mm -hmm. about. And usually like it takes them a second to transition from the funk of tweezer into whatever the bliss jamming would be here. We're just, we're into this Mm -hmm. blissful space and it's, it's almost a testament to so much of the work that they've done over the last, let's call it 12 years, 12, 15 years since um, 3.0 started where like they want to make sure if they're going to jam, they're jamming right out the gates with an Mm -hmm. intentional segment of jamming rather than working their way into it. And so you get this gorgeous segment that kind of builds uh, page jumps over to the synths. He's adding really cool textures. Trey then kind of, indicates that we're going to build this up to a peaking jam Mm -hmm. but has been so much of the case with a lot of the jamming of last year and into now this year is they don't necessarily need to just jump into a tension and release peak jam Mm -hmm. 
they can explore the terrain and they do that. And then out of nowhere, we get Trey on the synthesizer pedals, the Jedi pedal, I think is uh, what we had uh, mm-hmm. described it in 2021 or uh, Ryan Cherry did from Trey's guitar rig that then distorts and disjoints this overall jam. And, and my initial thought at that point was disjointed fish meets a single set show in Mexico meant to be a casual affair. Like we were talking earlier about the sense that like they're walking in slowly yeah. lizards, you got this like great vibe, the oceans here, but no, it's still the vibe of 2021 fish has spilled over and it really doesn't matter that you wanted a casual fish show. Oh, you just want to hang out on the beach, drink a couple cocktails <laughs> with your friends, mingle, maybe hear the music in the background. No, like we're coming at you with a crazy jam and that like, 15 to 20 minute mark was just like some excellent psychedelia and it really combined Mm. what we were what we were both hoping from this band this year which was really cool i know i can't imagine what it felt like to be on the beach when like you're just kind of having fun listening to the show and then it kind of gets like intense i just feel like that must have been super cool you're like whoa wait a minute maybe the drugs are kicking in i don't know (laughs) my brother (laughs) maybe the mexican drugs (laughs) Yeah, my, my my brother joined us at the house for this show and we were just like hanging out and you know, we were talking through the first couple of songs and my son was still up with us and then like somewhere in the middle of Tweezer, everyone just shut up and just looked at the yes. TV and I was looking around and everyone was just like, Oh wow, fish is back. Um the only thing I want to shout out in this tweezer just before we jump into the like the this next segment of the show that really kind of felt like a pocket of jamming within songs. Um, mm-hmm. The last like two minutes, don't sit on it. They're about mm-hmm. to fade out. And it's like this Trey and Paige interplay that I thought was going to build into another segment. It didn't. Who cares? It's the first jam of the year. But like it showcased this really cool thing that happened in a lot of the longer jams of 2021 where they would be finished with a segment and it's the natural point to move into a new song. And they just find a, n- a new musical space to play around with, and they decided to do that. And that 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 gave me a lot of hope as we move into the the latter part of the year or the next the next show of the year. Yeah, absolutely. They're not taking any moment for granted. I think they can any moment can become something bigger, which I think is just a really exciting point to be at at a band at this yeah. point in their career. Amazing. Yeah, it's the other point of it is that they are approaching their 40th year and they're having this continual rebound, like building creativity. It's just, it's incredible to watch. Um, the next segment, I, I think you can take these songs all as one. Mm-hmm. We go Piper, really nice segue from tweezer into Piper. Piper kind of gets cut off for soul planet. Like there was a really cool yeah. moment of jamming and I got the like live fish notification on Twitter that they were going to soul planet, but they were like still playing Piper and you could just see Trey kind of hint soul planet, look at the band and then be like, guys, we're, we're playing soul planet. Like now, stop, <laughs> you know, uh, exactly. but then soul planet like goes into a really cool jam, which then goes into meat in a very, very nice segue, which then fades into the first sci-fi soldier song. Like that whole segment to me was all kind of one song. Tell me what your thoughts were on this. And then I think the thing that you mm. want to talk about is the sci-fi soldier song, but tell me kind of what, how, how you heard this, this segment of music. Yeah. To me, this is kind of about the segues. Like it's interesting just how they're moving through songs here. And I agree. It does kind of feel like a little sweet. I wasn't as kind of like 
engaged during this moment. I had to like take my dog out during Soul Planet, which, you know, is a risk. Like sometimes Soul Planet goes deep, but I was like, well, I'll be back by then. Um, But then when I came back, they were like into meat and I was like, oh, okay. So I listened back to it today and I thought the segues were really cool. But then the howling, that segue was so good. And this song, holy shit, like super good placement, like really really awesome. I know you and I have been waiting, like, when are these Sci-Fi Soldier songs coming out? How are they going to sound? I don't know if it's just because I haven't spent enough time listening to the the Vegas version of these songs, but I loved this song last night. Like, it got so funky. It was just, to me, it sounded like almost like a 2001 vibe. Like, it just, it was so dancey. I just felt like it was so much fun to watch and I felt very like it had this easy groove to it and they seemed it it felt like the song they've been playing for a long time like it didn't sound clunky it didn't sound new watching Trey sing the howling was just so fun he was like smiling so big like yeah that's right guys we're playing this like this is the new <laughs> stuff you know like here it is you've been waiting for it here it is and then like hearing Paige this moment when Paige plays like the dogs sound over it and on the live stream you can see Trey just like look over at him and like smile like yes that's right like it was so great this I loved this I listened to this again this morning and I was like yeah that was as good as I thought that was awesome yeah I mean I I think the the one thing that was interesting about this was how it kind of aligned with I think how we were hearing how these sci-fi soldier songs are going to be played it'll be interesting to hear how how they continue to use it but now they're it would seem on the table to just play these songs in the manner that they did this kind of reminded me of the way that they use um death don't hurt very long and some of the uh uh, chilling thrilling songs where it felt less like a song and more like a transitional piece into a new jam and by the way we're yelling Mm -hmm. howling which i personally (laughs) like that like i think it yeah so many of these songs, when you listen to them and you listen to 2021 fish jamming, there's just, there, there's an interconnectivity with improvisation with how these songs were written with how these songs sound to us. And so having them in this sort of a suite to me, it just adds to the possibility for uh kind of more narrative fish jamming through like a second set where one of these songs mm-hmm. appears and it, it, it provides a cool bridge. So I thought it was great. I thought it led to an excellent jam. Mm-hmm. Fades really at that funky. point. Really, really funky jam. Yeah. Um, fades at that point into shade. We get our first like real ballad of the evening, our first like slow moment since the lizards. I think this is a really sweet song. I think um, the way that Trey and Tom created a song about uh the sensation of like, like, like long-term relationships Mm -hmm. of we're going to, we're going to move apart personally, but we're also going to always come back together. And like, you are the one person, you know, that, that sensation is something that I think is really hard to write about, especially for Mm -hmm. writers who have had challenges in the past of like being so specific or too general. Like it's a very, very, very beautiful song. So I dug it. And then we move into evolve these two songs back to back. I really, I really enjoyed the vibe. Mm. I was really glad to hear evolve. This is one of my favorite songs of, um, uh, that Trey wrote for the lonely trip album. What, what was your thought about this, this part of the show? Loved it. I feel like 
the howling into shade into evolve is just so indicative of where they are right now. Like taking this song that they wrote as part of this album for the New Year's costume into a song that is just an absolutely, like you were saying, sophisticated ballad that was on, you know, Sigma Oasis, which was such a meaningful album last year. And then into Evolve, which is from Lonely Trip. And this song, Evolve, is so incredible lyrically. I mean, and it's just has a beautiful melody to it. I woke up this morning with it in my head. And if there's any song you want to wake up to in within your head, it is definitely Evolve. I mean, it is just, I remember hearing this on Lonely Trip and just crying. Like, it's just, it's so hopeful and coming out of such a dark time. I think it just really speaks to where Trey is and in his songwriting and the kind of themes that are inspiring to him right now. And watching him sing this song, he seemed so happy. And just, I think that you could see, I could see him thinking about all of this kind of stuff of just, this band is just, they have evolved in a way that is beyond what anyone could have imagined. (laughs) I mean, I don't think any of them ever imagined they would be this kind of band at this point in their career. And I think it's just still probably feels pretty magical to them. And I think that that moment, watching from home, it felt incredible. I can't imagine what it felt like there. Yeah. It's a really good way to put it. And like, I I think about the places Evolve has been played throughout the last year. It was debuted as the opener of um, Nashville Night Mm -hmm. 2, which was one of my favorite songs or one of my favorite shows of last tour. Um, from there, it was played as the opener of the second set on 10, 17, 2021, which was the first four mm-hmm. set four songs, second set since six twenty two thousand four, 2004. And then this was the third performance. And so I feel like we're just starting to learn where this song can be played, how best it's employed. And I liked it in this spot because it was the first time it was not used as an opener. It felt like kind of a breath of fresh air, like catch your breath Mm -hmm. because we're about to finish the set and then we have an encore, but also this reflective piece. It kind of worked in the same sort of way that like hood and slave do in the sense of just like, you can kind of look back on the night. You can kind of take a breather. Um, so it was, it was an interesting placement for it. And I just think it's a really fascinating song. There's a lot of cool stuff going on underneath and lyrically, it's just, um, it's one of his more inventive songs, uh, from, Mm -hmm. from just like a lyrical perspective. Um, the final three songs of the set did not disappoint either. Mm -hmm. Um, tube, we get some really, really cool jamming at this point in time. Um, it's kind of got this deep pocket of groove going on into it. It really seems to summarize the style of jamming that they found themselves in before going into an arena rock god Sigma Oasis and a yes. high sand. Um, what were some of your highlights here at this point? Yeah, I just the end of Sigma Oasis. Trey was literally like jumping up and down, just like hosing <laughs> out, just like yes, like. It was awesome. I mean, I think it almost took him by surprise, the kind of power at the end of the song. It, I mean, that song is amazing, but it just really – I don't think I've heard it played like that energetically. I don't know. It was – usually sometimes I think of it as a little bit more of like a cooler down song, but this was like really, really an epic version. I thought it was awesome. And yeah, I thought – I mean, anytime Tube is played, it's so much fun. I like the tease, tweezer teases and just like great groove and sand is – one of my all-time favorite songs. And I think this is a good version. This is a great way to end the set. 
I think the whole second set from Tweezer or the whole – it's not second set. It sounds like a second set. But from Tweezer through the end of the set was just pretty perfect as far as song placement. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't timed it out, but um, I wonder if Tweezer to Sand would be a, a second set because that, that does feel like its own mm -hmm. like part of the show. And I agree. One thing I tend to love about fish shows are when um, I wouldn't have written down these songs yeah. in this order and yet it works you know like you listen mm -hmm. to a lot of fish and you're like okay i want to hear this after this i don't know if i would ever write down these you know seven or eight songs in a row but i wouldn't change it it's it's a segment of music mm -hmm. that i will probably go back you know six months a year from now if i go back to listen to the show i will probably start with tweezer and go through the end of the show because it just all flows in that way um sigma oasis i thought was going to end the set but mm -hmm. then sand and, and it was a good, it was a good, uh, you know, reminder kind of playful. We're on the sand. We're, we're, we're all hanging out here. Let's rock out one more time before the encore. Mm -hmm. So we move into the encore, which was, I haven't spent too much time seeing the reaction on Twitter. I've seen some kind of ridiculous posts from people saying that they left early. Um, really? Really? really upset about the encore selection. I'm just going to say really quick. So like I, I wouldn't have gotten into fish without Dave Matthews band. Like that was my entry point. I was very, very typical story of like late nineties, early aughts high school student who goes to a Dave Matthews show gets past like crash or live at red rocks, or whatever it may be. Dave and Tim's album. And I just like, I totally loved it. These were songs mm -hmm. that like sounded like a part of the lineage of classic rock history that I'd been a part of, but also like it's this newer artist doing this. My parents don't know about him, but like mm -hmm. he's playing his own music. He's writing his own music. There's this interesting improvisational element that I'm just completely unfamiliar with. You kind of have to go to every concert. You have to hear every concert. Um, I was just, I was super into Dave Matthews band for like 18 months. And they were like my favorite band in sophomore, early junior year of high school. And around that, like through meeting people, because we all liked the same music, I was past Fish's 11, 17, 94 tape. And that threw me completely into Fish. I kind of jumped off with Dave Matthews band after the, um, the Lily White sessions, that was my last like favorite record of theirs. Mm -hmm. But in recent years, like a couple of friends of mine, like we've like rediscovered Dave Matthews band, picked up things that we completely lost and like listened to shows from the nineties that uh, we just completely missed because they weren't really available mm -hmm. at the time. All this is to say, like, I love the dude and I think he's a great songwriter and he and Trey are clearly close friends. And I thought it was very, very cool to see him walk out on stage for the first time since June 17th, 95 to play with him. What were your kind of thoughts on the encore? Yeah. I mean, I went to college in the mid nineties. So of course I like Dave Matthews. Like that is, that is just, <laughs> you know, it, that's just, he was everywhere then, you know, he was like the crossover jam band. So if you were into jam band hippie music, you had been to a Dave Matthews concert. You know, I, I went to one, I liked him a lot. I also was, you know, happy to hear him on the radio when I listened to the radio. And I think he's an incredible musician and I was never a massive fan, but anytime artists want to bring other artists on stage that they, you know, 
care about and that they have had a relationship with, I feel like I'd be remiss to complain about that. You know, it's not like I want like a huge number of guests at a fish show. I don't. I'm not into that. But I feel like this is a cool thing. And Trey usually sits in with them when he comes down to Mexico and plays a night with them. And I thought it was cool. I mean, I loved watching their interplay. I thought it was interesting. I haven't listened to much recent Dave Matthews. I was surprised his voice sounds, you know, like it's had some miles on it. But um, I thought that it was really cool watching them play together. And to hear them play The Maker was awesome. I mean, that's so cool. Like that song is just so rare and a really – I don't know. It seems like it was a really influential song to a lot of people. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit beforehand. I didn't know that Jerry Garcia band played it. Like, I didn't know what this song kind of meant. And I started doing a little research on it and who this producer was, you know, who wrote this song, who worked with all these incredible people like Brian Eno and, you know, U2 and all these other huge bands. So this song is really meaningful. So I feel like if you got to see two incredible musicians play this song live, like, and you're complaining about it. I just, I guess I don't know, understand you. And like, you're yeah. also in Mexico. I'm in New York. It's like <laughs> freezing rain here. Okay. I'm happy about it. And I'm sitting on my couch. I'm like, don't you dare complain. No, I thought it was awesome. And then the tweezer reprise was so great. Like watching them do that. Like Trey goes over with his guitar and kind of shows him like the initial riff. And then Dave starts it on the acoustic. And then they just, and they just, played it to each other most of the time, just looking at each other. And they started dancing like 12-year-old boys in like a rock band in their garage, you know? It was it was awesome. It was super cool. I loved it. Yeah, I share all that. I, I loved that they played So Damn Lucky, the the album Some, mm-hmm. Some Devil, uh, Dave's solo album from 2005. I, I remember listening to a lot at the time. It was, I had like a brief rediscovery with the band at that point because I was like, this is just an incredible record. And mm-hmm. so I was glad to get a song off of that. Um, and then The Maker, they played with uh, Dave Matthews' band. I believe Dave and Carter played um, on the only other fish version of it, October 15th, mm-hmm. 1994. Uh, Dave Matthews band has played it a few times, but yeah, Daniel Lenoir, um, one of my favorite producers, one of my favorite musicians, um, produced a number of my favorite U2 records and um, has just done some incredible work. Produced one of my favorite Neil Young records, uh, which is oh, wow. called Lenoise from 2010, which can also be pronounced Lenoir. Uh, really cool Neil Young record where he just is playing electric guitar with a bunch of reverb around him, all influenced by Daniel Lenoir, uh, produced one of my favorite Bob Dylan records, Time Out of Mind, just an amazing uh, wow. musician, amazing songwriter. And this is one of my favorite songs he's ever written. And it's just got such a melody that like feels like it's just plucked from another world. It's it's just, it's eerie and it it mm-hmm. just like, haunting but it like kind of just like it gets my like heart all like i don't know like i, I felt like mm-hmm. choked up listening to it yeah. um and then tweezer reprise i was thinking as it was starting like this is not a knock on the dave matthews band but like they don't have any song that has like the power of tweezer reprise. <laughs> no, no, like, they just not don't. at all not at all and and letting that build up around him and him getting the riff and him getting the groove and you could see him being like oh yeah this is a really good riff and like yeah, dude, like this is what, like, this are the lot of the, the greatest two minutes in rock when this song happens. Yeah. And I was just thinking like, how is Dave going to react 
when Fishman comes in with that, bah, 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 I know, and then you know the <laughs> riff goes and um, seeing him that like patented weird Dave Matthews dance during Tweed. Yeah, I was just like, this is a cool moment. <laughs> It was so cool. He's just like this like jalopy dance kind of like all like, yeah, that was awesome. I mean, I was thinking the same thing. Like that is a power song and like how fun to be on stage when that song's being played and the crowd's just going crazy. Like that's that's an awesome moment to share with a friend. And I thought yeah. that was really, really cool. Yeah. And the friendship aspect is like such a clear point of all of this is, you know, mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, these guys are in their late fifties, they've battled a lot of things throughout their lives. They've had a lot of ups and downs. And the fact that they're on stage in Mexico playing music to people, Dave played last weekend. Now fish is playing this weekend and he's just kind of hanging out, watching his buddy up on stage. And they got to share that moment it was very, very cool to me. Um, Dave was there for uh, Trey in a lot of, you know, really important ways. Mm -hmm. And it, it reminded me of like the last thing I'll say about all this is like the, the version of, Lionar Graves from August 14th, 2007, mm. I believe is what it is from SPAC. Um, Dave Matthews band invites Trey on stage and it's kind of Trey's like first moment back and it's on YouTube. And I never fail to just like sob like a little kid every time I watch it. Cause you just, you can see Trey so grateful that someone invited him up on stage at that moment. And you can see him just like mm. kind of like really, really humble, kind of afraid to really show himself off. And then he just like lays into the music and it's, it's clear. These two guys have a incredible friendship that goes years back. So um, I loved the encore. I dug this show. You dug this show. You dug this encore. What What are your thoughts? Kind of both. Uh, yeah, back. yeah. I thought it was great. I mean, I definitely even think there are things that I want to re-listen to from the show. So yeah, yeah, I thought it was great, and I feel like it sets the stage. I mean, I think we're set up to have a really good run in Mexico. Yeah, I think that the thing you want on a you know a first night of the year first mm -hmm. night of a run like this this is different than like the friday night of a three night weekend run this is kind of mm -hmm. you know mexico's its own thing so the first night has a little bit more weight but you kind of expect them to step back into things and figure things out i don't think last night was the greatest fish show ever but i think that like it sets up a weekend like this in a really good way it's it, they seem that's the biggest thing I was looking for is that sense of comfort that they felt throughout mm -hmm. fall 2021. Is that still prominent? Uh, is that so prominent? And, and it felt that way here to me. So I dug it. Um, and I cannot wait for this evening show It will be a two set show and, um, we will see you back here tomorrow at the same time. Um, I think we're giving Meg the day off so you can do some, some vacation stuff at that point, but we will Thanks, see Brian. you back here. You're, you're welcome. We will see you back <laughs> here on, on Sunday, uh, to recap yeah. the Saturday show, but I'll be back here tomorrow with Jonathan to talk through, um, the Friday, February 25th, two set fish show from Mexico. Meg, before we go, do you want to tell us a little bit about our friends at Sunset Lake or do you want me to do that? Oh, I'm happy to do it. I love Sunset you Lake. You know, now I've become a really big CBD user. I love it so yeah. much. And it's all because of Sunset Lake. They are a majority employee-owned hemp farm, and they're located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. 
For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm, and they produced milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. But in 2019, they diversified, and they started growing hemp for CBD. And they are so cool because they embrace Vermont's tradition for land stewardship. They use sustainable, regenerative farming techniques. They build and protect healthy soils. They're 100% pesticide-free. They use minimal tillage, and they implement cover crops and crop rotations. So they have got all the stuff going on to make sure that they are producing the best hemp. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont's agronomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. So I am a big fan of their gummies. I've also started using their tinctures. Last night when I was watching the show at about, say, like what, 10 o'clock, I had my gummy, and it just kind of like eased my night so that when the show was over, I just went upstairs, closed my eyes, and went to bed. It's just like a really nice way to kind of seal off the night. So I highly recommend checking them out. And you can go to sunsetlakecbd.com, use the coupon code HFPOD, and you get 20% all your products. Also, it's helpful because it lets them know that we sent you. So check it out, Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. You know what I really like with the tincture? What? I throw it in some tea in the evening, like 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock cup of tea, like caffeine-free. Oh, that's and it just nice. like It just, uh, it's the best. I just kind of like sink into the couch for a little bit, you know, watch. I've been watching all of the, uh, uh, all of Seinfeld in, in, in order. Oh, and that's fun. Kind of like chill out and then go to bed. It's great. It's perfect. That's so, perfect. I'm an that. evening tea person. So I think I'm going to bring some with me upstate and try that. Just like, you know, five milligrams is all you need. It's Mm -hmm. perfect. Well, Meg, this was a total pleasure. Thanks so much for hanging today. This was awesome. We were talking through 224 of 2022. We'll be back here 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow to talk through 225 2022. Everybody enjoy yourselves out there. If you're in Mexico, stay safe. Uh, If you're stateside, stay safe, hang out. Enjoy the day and uh, enjoy the show tonight. We'll see you guys here soon. See you soon. Thanks, Brian. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. 
This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.